Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Enjoy a tall, cool dude. I grew up like most kids, worried I couldn't bench two plates, that I wouldn't fit in, that I wouldn't find love. Then I discovered partying, and suddenly all those worries went to the wayside. I didn't need love. I had keg stands. I discovered I was great at raging and it revealed wonderful things about myself. I could relate to bros regardless of what kind of bro they were. I could be at a party and moon people and everyone would laugh, you know, be witty. Or I could play beer pong and compete with real integrity. In short, I fulfilled my potential. The Nightcap on WGR Sports Radio 550. What's up, everybody? It's the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase here on WGR Sports Radio 550. Nice little stretch of shows here. Happy to be back doing two hours a night when the Buffalo Sabres do not play. So, for instance, tomorrow with an 8 p.m. puck drop. And we will talk some hockey uh, tonight, by the way, as we uh, progress throughout the show. But um, with the Sabres playing in St. Louis tomorrow night, you will not hear from me. You'll have Sabres pregame from 7 to 8 o'clock. Before, uh, and then we'll have some Niagara basketball against Quinnipiac on Friday night. So if you want to get in on the conversation, you want to get in on the show, uh, this is your final time to do it. It's today. Before we get to the weekend. And unfortunately... There'll be no Bills pregame for me to host with Nate Geary. I just do want to say that, by the way, that I had a lot of fun doing the pregame show for the first time this season, being in the press box at the stadium, the broadcast booth, I should say, um, looking out over the field while talking about this team was a lot of fun. And uh, even being down at 716 for pregame for the playoff game, I had a great time um, being part of the Bills uh radio network broadcast over the course of the season. It is sad for me that um, that's not going to continue. I will say the early morning rise wasn't the greatest thing in the world. I got over it, obviously, pretty quickly. Um, but I will look forward to sleeping in a little bit more on Sundays. But um, here we go. We're back we're into the off-season conversation. And like I said, we'll get into some Sabres. But I do want to spend, in large part, a lot of time talking about Josh Allen today because I don't really think I've talked a lot about Josh Allen in the first couple of days here. A little bit. But he is the big story of this team this past season and what their future entails. The defense was absolutely phenomenal this season. But really how much can you count on that happening year to year? A point that I try to drive home a lot is that defense year to year is... It's kind of flimsy. The sustainability of it um, is pretty flimsy. And I I don't know. I I, I see the schedule coming next season, and I'm trying to pull up their uh, 2020 opponents real quick here um, because one point that you could make very simplistically about why 
where the Bills might rank in terms of total defense next season will go down is next year you have the Chiefs on the schedule. You have Mahomes. You have Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. You have the San Francisco 49ers. You have the Steelers maybe with Roethlisberger back as opposed to getting to play Duck Hodges. Arizona's offense looks pretty good so far uh, over the course of their uh, first season with Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury. Tennessee with Tannehill, a much improved offense over what the Bills got to face in Tennessee earlier this season with Marcus Mariota. The Rams with Jared Goff. The Chargers with Phillip Rivers seem to be shot, uh, but I guess we'll see what he looks like going into next year. All that to say, even not considering what they actually will be personnel-wise on the defensive side of the football, it's likely that they'll take some small hit at the very least because of who their opponents will be. One thing that I talked about a lot this past season is the Bills just did not face a whole lot of good quarterbacks. They didn't. Who were the great quarterbacks the Bills played this past season? Darnold's not one of them. Eli was certainly not one of them. Dalton's not. Brady didn't play like it this season. Mariota wasn't. Fitz wasn't. Wentz was. So there's one. Haskins, no. Mayfield, no. Especially not the way he played this year. Fitz again, no. Drew Locke. They didn't play Drew Locke. Who'd they play? Who was the Denver quarterback? Brandon Allen. Forgot about that guy. He's certainly not. Uh, Deck Prescott, I guess, is on the fringe, so I'll give you one and a half. Baltimore, yes. Pittsburgh, no, with Devlin Hodges. New England, I don't think so. Brady this year. And the Jets, no. Talk about great quarterbacks. They played two, and Deck, kinda. So really only played two legitimately elite quarterbacks this year. And going into next season... You're playing at least two in Mahomes and Russell Wilson, and then you've got other guys that, like, these these aren't backups. These aren't the Fitzes, these aren't the Elis, these aren't the Brandon Allens. You're playing some legitimate quarterbacks. Roethlisberger's on the schedule, Kyler Murray's on the schedule, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is on the schedule, the way Tannehill played, he's on the schedule, Goff, Rivers. like Goff and Rivers being two of the lesser quarterbacks you'll play next season would have ranked near the top of the list for this past season. So... That's not really the whole extent of what I'm trying to say here, though. I'm just saying I don't believe the best option for the Bills, long-term option for success, their sustainability going forward as a playoff team year in and year out. And Brandon Bean actually spoke on this yesterday in his end-of-season press conference. If you want to be a contender year-to-year, not just one season, but if you want to be a contender year to year, then you need to have elite play at the quarterback position. And if you don't, you might have a season or two where you get a one-off. That's happened. The Broncos with Peyton Manning, the Trent Delpha Ravens, the Buccaneers in 2 Like There's some teams that you could bring up. But in large part, the teams that are in the conversation every single year are who? It's been New England because they've had Brady. It's been Pittsburgh because they've had Roethlisberger. It was the Colts because they had Peyton Manning. Now it's the Chiefs because they have Mahomes. And it was the Packers because of Rodgers. And it's the Seahawks year after year because of Russell Wilson. It's all about 
the quarterback. They've spoken on it repeatedly that it is a quarterback-driven lead league. Then why is this what's being talked about today on the morning show with Brandon Bean? Some games are going to be 13-10. to 10. Our defense has got the other offense stymied, so it's okay to punt. And I think that's part of the thing when I'm talking about decision-making, him understanding this is not a game that we need you know, 25-plus points. This is a game that we need to not turn the ball over, play field position, and maybe it is mainly a field goal game. I, no, that's not the, the way to go. That is not the way to go for the Bills going forward. The standard needs to be set. So much higher for Josh Allen. And sometimes I feel kind of lonely on where I set the bar for Josh Allen. Everybody before this season was like, oh, I'll take a Mitch Trubisky second year. Yeah, some modest improvement. Give me 3,000 plus yards. Um, you know, 20 or so touchdowns. Limit the turnovers. And I'm sitting here like, what are we talking about? Who, are, who did we draft? Did we draft Josh Rosen? Did we... Go get Tyrod Taylor 2.0. Because I thought we drafted the guy with the big cannon for an arm that had the same type of abilities as the Rodgers and the Mahomes and like the elite athletes at that position in the league. I thought that's who we drafted. I thought we weren't I thought the whole point of getting Josh Allen was not settling for 13 to 10 football games for not settling for averaging under 20 points a game and winning with your defense and your run game. The Bills have been that. Now, to their credit, the past three years, twice, they've done that recipe a lot better than anybody before them. The combination of their defense this past season and how efficient their rushing attack was, and then even back in 2017, how opportunistic their defense was and the fact that their run game was what drove the team. Yeah, you made the playoffs twice with that recipe. That That's a good job. But neither season have you been a legitimate Super Bowl contender. And that has to be, it has to be, the ultimate goal of what this whole foundation being built up will get them to. And you don't get there without the elite quarterback play. And maybe I shouldn't take that that comment too seriously. Because if you look at their actions, they do speak louder than their words. They moved way up to get him. They moved way up in the draft to get Allen. That will always be the beginning of the Josh Allen conversation. That To me, the beginning of the conversation where you have to set the bar. They set the bar on what he should be by where they picked him and what they gave up to pick him. It was a lot. And it came a year in advance. Why'd they trade Sammy Watkins? Why'd they trade Ronald Darby? Why'd they trade Marcel Darius? Of course, a big reason was the salary cap implications. But you can't tell me another very important reason was they were stockpiling draft picks to get their quarterback. Now they got the quarterback. And if now that you have him, and that investment has been made, and this organizational plan has been put in place, then the bar needs to be set. Miles above what Tyrod Taylor was for the Buffalo Bills. And that comment there, and what the Bills did this season to make the playoffs, is not that far above what Tyrod Taylor was for the Buffalo Bills. It's not. It really isn't. 
Allen was successful this season. Why? Because he was completing short passes. He was completing intermediate passes. He was running with the football. And he was not turning the football over. A lot of that is Tyrod Taylor. And I do believe that Allen this season made several throws and allowed them to run an offense that they would have never been able to run with Tyrod Taylor. And he made throws that Tyrod Taylor would have never been able to make. But the results at the end of the day are not that too far off. They're not. In fact, both guys, between Tyrod and Allen, you could look at them both and say they have one, they have one thing very much in common. They both made the playoffs once with a great defense. And I don't want to say they were carried by the defense, but that really is what drove the team both times. And that's why, when I put this Twitter question out that I just did a few minutes ago at SneakyJoeWGR, the, the, bit, the best measuring stick for whether you think Josh Allen is a franchise quarterback or is going to be a franchise quarterback is, would you give him a big contract if you had to right now? Thankfully, the NFL rules are set up so where you have four years, really, to decide whether you want to pay a guy. Really, three before you go for the fifth-year option. But if the Bills had to make that decision right now, whether they would sign Josh Allen, would you want them to do it? And as it stands, got just over 1,000 votes on this so far, 58% are saying no. And count me in on that 58%. Because I haven't seen the evidence yet that this guy is so much better than what they previously had. And that needs to be what the bar is. And what I hope happens this offseason is a lot more people will be in tune with what I was thinking last offseason and that this bar for this guy, because of where you drafted him, because of his athleticism, because of the tools you are surrounding him with, albeit not perfect, but much improved, the bar needs to be sky high. It has to be. This whole thing is about getting a legitimate franchise quarterback. And thank goodness that Josh Allen is giving us some signs and some hope that he can get to that point. But he is, to me, clearly not there yet. Because they are not a team capable of winning the same... They, like, they won games this year. They won 10 games. But they did it a certain way. They are not capable of winning games the way Kansas City wins games. They are not capable of winning games the way Houston wins games. Did you see what they did on Saturday? All, leading up to the Texans game, all everybody was talking about it. I was telling you that the Bills team, the roster, the health of the team, the coaching staff, all of the support system around the quarterback is better than what Houston has for Watson. So either one of two things are going to happen. And I think Mike Schoep was actually the first one that said this. Either the Bills are going to win the football game or Deshaun Watson is going to win the football game. And which happened? Deshaun Watson won the football game. The Bills are not capable at this moment of winning the same way Houston won that game. And it really signifies how important landing not just a, a great quarterback, not, not just a good quarterback, but a legitimate franchise guy is. Because he can make up for everything else. Everyone in the league would tell you the Bills have a more competent coaching staff 
than the Houston Texans. Everybody in the league would tell you the Bills have a more stable front office than the Houston Texans. I'm not even sure the Texans have a front office. They don't have a GM. Everyone in the league would tell you that Devin Singletary is a better starting running back than Carlos Hyde. Everyone in the league would tell you the Bills had a better offensive line than that Texans team. Everyone in the league would have told you that the Bills had a better defense than that Houston defense. But because Watson, at this stage, is so much better than Josh Allen, that was the difference. And you know what? Josh Allen played like a crazy person on Saturday. He really did. But I commend him for somewhere deep inside him, watching Deshaun Watson out there and thinking to himself, this guy is going to carry his team and beat us. And I'm going to be the guy that just sits here and watches it happen. I need to do some of that because if I want to be a franchise quarterback, I need to be able to do some of what Deshaun Watson is doing right now. And he wasn't capable. That doesn't mean he won't become capable because, like I said, there have been signs. His increased accuracy within 20 yards to me is a great sign that this guy can get better in areas you didn't think he could get better in. The turnover problems. I didn't think he'd ever clean that up to the extent he has. I mean, look at a guy like Jameis Winston. Allen, some people, uh, Austin Gale, Pro Football Focus, who um, was on the station earlier today, he tweeted during that game, like, this is playoff Jameis. Jameis North. And... I can see why some people would want to say that because Allen is a wild card. So it's at times he really is. But he did one thing in year 2 that James Winston hasn't been able to do in 5 years. And that's cleaning up the turnovers. Cuz Allen did that. So there are a couple things that I look at with with him and think, "All right. His improvement in these areas make me at least leave the door open to he can get better in these other areas. And to me, that continues to keep the door open to this guy can be a legitimate franchise quarterback. And I think we're all hopeful that he can be a legitimate franchise quarterback. But the current guy they have and what we had last season in Josh Allen, I'm telling you, next year, I don't think that's enough to make the playoffs. I think Allen needs to come back significantly better. Or I think a more challenging schedule will cost them. He needs to be the thing that makes up that difference. Now, is it all on him? Not completely. Because some of the excuses to why he wasn't as good as you might have hoped and why he only ended up with uh, 190 passing yards per game and why he went crazy in that wildcard game, and why he was incapable of connecting on deep passes this year, all to me can be answered with the thing that I'm going to mention on maybe every single show I have from here until free agency, and that is that number one wide receiver. Maybe I should extend that to the draft, because who knows if they'll have a chance of getting one in free agency. That guy can make all the difference in the world to that. And that's where the Bills need to get. They need to get that guy so that we can finally eliminate all excuses to why this guy isn't as good as what they drafted him to be. And the hope would be, of course, that you won't have to have that conversation, that I won't have to say that, that we won't have to think about that. But he really is, think about it that way, he's really only one good, 
He's one great receiver away from an elimination of all excuses as to why he's not that good. You couldn't argue that they didn't let him go out there and pass the football because it's a lot of spread with the Bills this season. And like when they they wanted Josh Allen to win them games, they gave him an opportunity. That Houston game, they stopped running the football. And on the short term, that could frustrate a lot of fans, and it could frustrate me in thinking, hey, man, if you just ran the ball with Devin Singletary a little bit more, you might have won that football game. But on the long term, I'm happy they did that. I'm happy they threw Josh Allen out there, had him throw it time after time after time, and said, all right, go win this football game for us. Because I'm sure they weren't thinking about it at the time, but subconsciously, I'd like to think they're going, all right, we want to see if you really are capable of putting the team on your back. What happens when you have to put the team on your back? And he fell just short on Saturday. And it's very strange. It's a very strange season for me. He didn't do what we think he was going to do. It wasn't big plays and not taking care of the football and not being able to connect on the easy stuff. It was the complete opposite. He was a very strange game manager in a way. And until he really connects in those vertical passes um, to not, not just even once in a while, but like consistently... I'm not going to be convinced that this guy is a franchise quarterback. But again, he's done enough to make me hopeful that he uh, he can get there. 803-0550 is the phone number. Where are we at with Josh Allen? 27 starts in. Stats that look similar to Tyrod Taylor, even though the game would look a lot different than what it used to look like uh, with Tyrod Taylor. Talking about the quarterback. Get into Tom Brady a little bit as we progress. Have some fun with that. Landing spots for Brady. Potential options for New England should he leave. Um, Because the division, everything I just said is maybe, it's just papers tossed in the air if Tom Brady leaves New England to me. But we'll see. 803-0550 is the phone number. If you're hanging on hold, stay there. We'll get to you right after the break. we got a bunch of phone lines open if you want to get in too. Um, or you could uh, you can hit me up on Twitter at SneakyJoeWGR. It's the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase on WGR. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
I don't think I've been around a guy that's pound for pound as tough as Frank Gore. A professional like Frank Gore and his habits day in and day out. And then just as big was his you know, example to Devin on and off the field. So that's some of what we're talking about with trying to get a veteran leader in every room that Brandon and I are trying to do, trying to establish that. Frank was a great example of that to Devin. There is Bills head coach Sean McDermott on Frank Gore and the running back situation. Devin Singletary, of course, had a tremendous rookie season for the Bills and looks to figure to be um, maybe the only running back that's on the roster right now that will be with them next season and uh, should be the featured back. 775 yards rushing he ends the season with on uh, 151 carries. He averaged over five yards a carry. Then uh, in the receiving game, he added 29 receptions for 194 yards and another, excuse me, two touchdowns. So he ends up with just under 1,000 yards from scrimmage and four touchdowns, and that was playing in only 12 games. So he crosses 1,000 yards for sure if he plays the whole season, and there's a bigger workload for this guy to have. I mean, think about it this way. Week 9, week 9, Devin Singletary gets 20 carries. The first game, they really unleashed him. We'd been talking about it all year at the beginning half of the year. How Why isn't this guy getting the football? He had 20 carries for the season before he got 20 carries in Week 9 against Washington. 20 carries in the first half of the season, 131 in the second half of the season. The Bills are lucky that that didn't cost them because it took them way too long to figure out that Devin Singletary was the best running back on the roster. And that you can even stretch back into the preseason when they wasted their time thinking LaShawn McCoy had something left in the tank. Last year, should have told you, LaShawn McCoy had nothing left in the tank when he was less efficient than Chris Ivory. So, luckily, Singletary was able to break out despite that, and... um, Next year, my hope would be that they pair him with a really good, dynamic, home run hitting, pass catching running back like an Austin Eckler, should he become available, like a Matt Breida, perhaps, or honestly, just like another running back you could pick in the third round. The sweet spot, the success rate among running backs uh, drafted in the third round is super high. Um, yeah. And Singletary is one of them. 803-0550 is the phone number. A little bit on running back there. We've been talking mostly about the quarterback position uh, as it pertains to Josh Allen and the Bills going forward with him as their quarterback. And the, the question I ask on Twitter, if you're uh, if you're up for it, is if you had to pay Josh Allen a big contract right now, would you do it? Because I think if you say yes, then you're convinced that even if he's not there yet, that he's going to be a franchise quarterback. I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced at all. I'm optimistic. I'm hopeful. I think he showed signs of growth that make me hopeful. But there is stuff there and that is still needs to be cleaned up and twofold. I just I really think that I'm watching these other I'm watching Houston on Saturday and I'm thinking I wish I could win a game like that. I wish I had a quarterback that could make up for a, a boob of a coach and a, a just a guy at running back and a poor offensive line and, a, and an inconsistent defense. I wish I had a guy that could get me to the second round of the playoffs with all of that. Because as it stands right now, I'm not sure the Bills can win a playoff game with Josh Allen, or at least this year they couldn't have won a playoff game with Josh Allen unless everything was perfect. And that's where you need to get. 
you need to get to the point where the quarterback is as good as Deshaun Watson is. That's my opinion. 8030550 is the phone number if you want to get in on uh, this topic. But for now, we're going to go to our interview of the day, which is Bill's general manager, Brandon Bean. He's done a lot of media in the past couple of days. His end of season press conference yesterday. He did one Bills Live yesterday. Today, Howard and Jeremy got a hold of the Bills GM. So here is Brandon Bean with the morning guys. On our Wester hotline, standing by is Bills GM Brandon Bean. He and Sean McDermott met with the media yesterday. If you missed the press conferences, both are available in on-demand audio. Brandon, good morning. First of all, way to make it through 40 minutes yesterday. <laughs> you know what? Uh, I had fun. I didn't even know it was 40 minutes. It was. It was, it was a good listen. Although I will tell you, you saved your best answer for the very end of the press conference. I thought the most interesting thing you said was about guys not having, uh, what, skid marks leaving the parking lot because they're eager to get away from here. Yeah. No, that was uh, – uh, I didn't see any, any, any snow tracks or any, any skid marks in the parking lot, so that's a pretty good sign. thought that was pretty funny. Josh Allen, let's start there because uh, obviously so much always ties into the quarterback. Just in a, in a bigger picture sense for year two, um, where do you think he improved the most? Uh, decision making uh, is what I would say. He, he did a good job overall of not trying to hit the home run ball as much. And, and I know he, um, you know he wasn't as accurate uh, as any of us would have liked. And he would put himself as number one that was um, frustrated with the lack of deep ball, you know, hitting some of those big ones, especially to John Brown. But, um, you know, I thought his decision-making, and especially after that New England game, um, I thought we we saw him really take a, a giant leap of maturation. He might have at some point even pulled back a little bit too far, like just trying to, you know, he went, you know, most of those games he threw one in the Tennessee game, but um, really after that he, he went, I don't remember how many games it was without throwing one, and I thought there was probably a few times that, man, Josh normally would have tried to fire that in there, and, um, but he was trying to develop and, and mature, and the intent is right, and, uh, it's him finding that balance of being who he is um, and still protecting the ball. So how do you, how does he get that balance, or how can the coaching staff help him? Because one of the things I thought was interesting that you said yesterday was you can live with some errors. You don't want to check down Charlie. And as you say, maybe he pulled back a little too much. Do you think he did get to the point where he was too worried about interceptions and he wasn't making throws that you think he can make? I think there was times, but I, th- I do think, in fairness, he was understanding the game, what type of game we're in. Uh, some games, you know, Howard are going to be uh, 13 to 10. You know, our defense has got the other offense stymied, so it's okay to punt. And I think that's part of the thing that I, when I'm talking about decision-making, him understanding this is not a game that we need, you know, 25-plus points. This is a game that we need to not turn the ball over, play field position, and maybe it is mainly a field goal game. And so – um, while those aren't, we always want touchdowns when we can get them. And you know, on on Saturday last week, uh, we probably you know should have found a way to convert at least one of those field goals into touchdowns, and it might have been a different outcome. Um, that game was a little bit different. But if you notice, some of the games we played this year truly were field position, get points when you can. And and I think so. Josh is, is understanding that, and I think that'll continue to improve. Uh, in year three. Do you, uh, you mentioned what you thought he improved on in year two. When you do an exit interview with Josh, is there such a thing as a, here's what we need you to get better at in year three list? And if there is, what would you tell, what did you tell him? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not going to share everything. I think the, the obvious things is, is continuing, um, you know, his footwork and his, and his mechanics, you know, like any young guy, sometimes, 
Um, you know, you don't get your feet right. You get a little quick. You feel the pressure. You you know, you know, you got to get the ball out, and sometimes you you rush it. And uh, he missed some throws, at, you know, at various times in the year that, you know, if his feet had been right, maybe maybe he gets it. But uh, his feet have improved. His mechanics have improved. And you're not going to go from A to Z, you know, in, in however many games he's – I don't even remember how many games he's started now, but, you know, in less than really two full seasons of play. So um, he's trending up. I'm very proud of Josh. I know, uh, unfortunately, in this day and age, people want to focus on the things that he – you know, a quarterback didn't do. But uh, if you look around the league at young quarterbacks, uh, I'm very proud of where Josh is at in comparison. You and Sean both talked about, uh, you know, trying to get better players around him. I know you'd mentioned get more guys that he can trust will help make plays around him. Okay, where, how, what do you need to do to elevate the offense and Josh to another level next season? Yeah, I mean, I said it yesterday, and I, and I mean it. Uh, it starts with with me uh, doing a better job of of putting more talent around him, and talent is all over. It's it's up front. Uh, it's at the running backs, it's at the tight ends, it's at the receivers. Every other position uh, other than quarterback itself. And um, i got to do a better job because the more talent he has, it, let, let's just talk about up front. If, if he's better protected, he's got more time, he doesn't rush. If, if we have a good running game, then it sets up the play action. It freezes linebackers. If we've got um, better receivers or more options other than our top two guys, uh, you know, that takes pressure off John Brown and or Cole Beasley. Uh, if we've got tight ends that are, A, really good blockers and also mismatches in, in the passing game, all of those things will help a guy like Josh Allen. When it comes to the Brennan, when it comes to the ninety million dollar cap space, eighty nine million dollars in cap space, how much of it is like budgeting for I don't know anything you, you might in life. You have to you know you have to plan for contracts for some of the younger guys that you've drafted as they, they age into new contracts. So um, is that constantly in your mind? Like you, you know, all right, well we're, we're counting on this guy. You're not negotiating in public, but you you're, you probably got a pretty good idea. You're going to try and lock up player X, player Y. So that means while it is ninety. Maybe it's closer to sixty or fifty or, or whatever the number might be. Yeah, you're spot on, Jeremy. You, um, we don't. We want to make sure we always have the funds to keep as many of our guys that we have drafted and developed here. Or if we maybe it's a young guy that we claimed if we didn't draft him, but we like where they're headed or, or somebody we traded for. So the the worst thing to do is all of a sudden spend too much money. You know, in this year or next year, and then in 2022. Oh man, we got to watch guys walk out, or we got to start releasing guys to keep these guys. It, it uh, it's it's hard to stay in cap strength in this league, uh, especially you know the teams that have to pay a quarterback what what they cost. So uh, as I mentioned yesterday, hopefully uh, we'll have to pay Josh one of these big funds uh, contracts that that teams are paying now, and we want to be able to handle that and not have to turn around and release guys and, and watch them walk out the door. So uh, I know people will be say, well, maybe they, they didn't spend all the money. They could have done this. My job, you know, it's not Sean's job. Sean is trying to win every day, every practice. I mention that all the time. My job is to keep another eye on 2021, 2022, and beyond so that we can have cap, cap strength throughout. One thing you said yesterday, you know, you're not – the Buffalo Bills maybe aren't one player away. But do you kind of view it as – all right, I'm not one player away right now, but how do I get closer to being one player away? You know, it's, you might be six players away or four players away. You know, one player away means you're right on the doorstep and maybe that's when you swing big or maybe that big swing comes 
to get you one player away. I, I just wonder about you know the process of, of, of feeling like you're close and when it's time to really take a swing. Yeah, I mean, I'm always trying to take a swing. It's just how big of a swing do you want to do? And and you know, I don't think you're you're. I don't I don't know when it ever makes sense to you know trade you know most of your draft or you know or trade you know an excess amount of picks you know future picks into this year and next year. Um, while you never say never, um, we want to always be strong and be able to draft you know develop and sign guys. But um, we're always looking to make plays, and and that's that's the other part of having cap strength is. If a guy is available that has a hefty contract that we think can really help us, not that he's the one player that's going to get us all the way there, but really make us stronger, then then I want to be able to do that. And, um, again, I don't know if there's a certain number of players where away. We want to increase competition. We do want to find, you know, at certain positions uh, definite upgrades. And others, we just want to find more competition and more depth to help us because we know injuries occur. You see it um, all throughout other teams throughout the year there are times when you're going to be hit with injuries and you can't go on you can't afford to go on a three or four game losing streak because you lost you know three of your better players a lot of talk about you know what you could do to surround josh whether it's up front or it's uh, it's receivers you know receivers a big topic probably will be for us for the next few months how, how about this year's class of receiver i know you guys know not just this year but also next year you know you kind of get a good idea of classes this uh this receiver class I think it gets talked about like Josh's quarterback class like there are a bunch of really good prospects and the first round could be chock full of top flight receivers yeah it it, it does look strong right now I mean uh the one thing I would say is uh we haven't had a chance to to meet these young men and so it's important to uh find out how smart they are and and some of them you see the skill set but maybe they they've they have a limited ability to run a full route tree um, so how quickly how quickly are they going to come in and, and develop? Um, similar to we talk about quarterbacks that come out uh, of systems that are one read and run or things like that. So um, talent-wise, physical skill set, I do agree. You see what people are, are talking about, some of these flash players. Uh, the next step will be for us about that position will be to get around these young men and, and, and find out their, their knowledge of the game. Do you know We've been doing the background on – what you know what type of kids these are and and you know do they love ball uh do they are they pros or um have they been in trouble have they been suspended for marijuana or things like that you know there are some guys that are talented that i'm aware of that do have some things that we already know we got to look into so uh sometimes that will shrink the field for us i'm not saying it will shrink it for every team uh we're pretty particular with you know what type of person uh, beyond the player that we want to bring in here. So, um, but to your point, Jeremy, it does look like a pretty good class uh, right now on paper, and I'm looking forward to uh, getting to know some of these young men this spring. There's a couple of. We will hear a little bit more from Brandon Bean when we return, and we'll get back into our conversation about Josh Allen and also landing spots for Tom Brady and potential replacements for New England should. Tom Brady leave. He posted something on Instagram today that makes it appear as though he will uh, continue to play football, but he didn't say, I uh, didn't really impl- even imply that it will uh, it will be in New England. So we'll get into that as we progress here on the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase. More Brandon Bean, though, after this on WGR. Welcome back to the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase. We are going to hear more from Brandon Bean in just one moment. Before we get back to the Bills GM, though, Give a little shout-out here. 
So John Butchergross from ESPN, if you follow him on Twitter or if you see his stuff on ESPN, you'll know that he is a huge college hockey fan, like the biggest college hockey fan that might exist. Um, and uh, he posted on Twitter a couple of minutes ago the leading goal scorers in the NCAA so far on the season. Number one on the list is West Seneca native Griffin Lochran. And I know Griffin because I actually grew up basically behind his house and grew up playing street hockey against this kid. So super cool for me to see him uh, leading the NCAA in goals. He's got 16 goals, by the way, in 20 games for Northern Michigan. So we got a a Buffalo native, West Seneca native, uh, more specifically, that currently leads college hockey uh, in goal scored. So cool to see a shout-out from John Butchagross there. We will uh, switch back into football here. More from Brandon Bean, and then after that, some Tom Brady talk. And, uh, of course, your comments are welcome at 803-0550. Here is the Bills general manager. A couple of them in the national championship game, if you got eyes on that one. So, good <laughs> yeah. game. I mean, the LSU and Clemson LSU has been as good a team in college football as we've seen in, geez, I mean, years, probably. They've been dominant, and... Uh, you know, Burrow, Lawrence, are you, are you, you have plans to go to the game or at least to take it in? You know what? Uh, I've talked about it. It's not easy to uh, to get in there. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, not not definite either way. Would love to go. It, it will be a great game, and, and you're, you're spot on. Those, those schools both have done a great job of recruiting some top talent. I mean, you know, I know people that work for both those schools, and uh, there's some true freshmen playing in that game that – you know, they're like, hey, you're going to be watching this. You know, you, this guy's going to be a first-round pick, you know, in two years. He's, just, he's that good. And you, and you take you peek at him while you're at their, at their games or practice, and you're going, man, I, wow, what a that kid's, you know, 19 years old. There's a couple guys I want to ask about, Brandon, before we let you go. And I know everybody listening is like, when are you going to ask about Duke Williams? So I'll get to that in a second. But the guy I'm really curious about, because the way last year ended – uh, and the things we saw from Robert Foster, I think a lot of fans were feeling really good about where he could go with Josh in this offense, and it just never really happened, and I, I, I don't know why. So what happened to or with Robert Foster, in your opinion? You know, um, Robert's a young player, and, you know, last year, um, you know, we, didn't, we weren't very deep at receiver, and I think he, he got some opportunities and took advantage of him. You know, I would say this year we brought in John Brown, Cole Beasley, um, Isaiah McKenzie did a real nice job in, in the various packages he was used. Um, you know, I just, for whatever reason, I don't think Robert ever got in sync this year. Um, you know, I don't want to get into great detail. I just think um, he's a young player, and there's, you know, sometimes, um, you know, things just, you know, maybe you're not doing everything you can, but maybe some things just aren't working out game plan-wise for you as well. And I know that's the battle that we – you mentioned Duke. That's the battle that we had, you know, every week. We tried to create different competition. They're two different types of players. Uh, one's a physical uh, specimen and one is a speed guy. Um, the thing I, I do want to commend Robert on is he stepped up his special teams play, and that was a lot of times why he got the jersey um, over Duke was just um, needing that speed and ability to cover a kick or cover a punt. So – um, you know, both those guys are competitors, worked hard. We, you know, we love them, and we want to continue this offseason to develop, and, and that'll be a competition between those two plus whatever else we bring in, you know, in the spring. Yeah, I'll save the long-winded setup. So the easy question is, why didn't Duke Williams play more? You know, uh, same thing, what I just said. It came down to, to special teams sometimes and game plan, and uh, we wanted to get Duke up a lot. Um, you know, Andre Roberts is up as, as a returner. 
Uh, it's hard to get everybody up. You only got so many jerseys. I mean, we w- we would love to have had Duke up every week, and you know there were weeks that it was truly man, which guy do we want to go with? And you know sometimes we felt like we really needed versus a certain defense. We really needed Robert Speed to you know hold the safety back to clear out underneath, and that's you know sometimes that was in the game plan where Robert wasn't necessarily. If you know if they covered him, you know it opened up for for the guys underneath, and maybe he didn't get a ball or he didn't have the stat, but maybe he did his job to to clear it out for Cole uh, Dawson Knox or um, or John Brown. And the on your list of things to do, I don't know where it is on the list, but I did have a question about Stephen Hauschka, who went through a rough spot in the season and finished strong. And his numbers under fifty, kicks under fifty, are fantastic, but his distance kicks are not where they were anywhere in his career. I think it was like one of five from 50-plus. How concerned are you about that? Is that something that would cause you to say, okay, you know what, we're going to have to bring in a different kicker because you, you have to have the ability to, to hit long kicks every now and then? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Stephen will be the first to tell you that uh, he knows he has to be better from the 50-plus kicks. And, um, you know, was very proud he did hit that little lull in the season and uh, the Cowboy game on Thanksgiving um, he was as frustrated as in, as anyone because, you know, indoors is probably as easy as you're going to get it, you know, especially for a guy who kicks in western New York. Um, but, you know, was really proud. I think he, you know, hit his last seven and, and obviously on Saturday hit some really big kicks. I was um, so hoping that we would, you know, we would get a kick for him to win it because he was in the zone and I, and I felt like it would have been right up his alley to, you know, to handle that moment. Um, but, yeah, Steven, Steven knows we need, you know, those 50-plus yard field goals, and, and that's something he'll work on this offseason. But uh, we're always bringing competition at, at every position, kicker, quarterback, uh, punter, receiver, whatever it is. So um, he knows that he'll have to come and prove himself in 2020, and um, I have no doubt he will. Brandon Bean joining us on the Western Hotline. Thank you for your time. If you do end up getting your hands on a couple extra passes for LSU Clemson, let us know. <laughs> you know what? You guys are right first in line, so uh, we'll definitely make sure we do that. You understand now that that is preserved. We can play <laughs> those comments back. You can't deny you said that now. <laughs> I got you. I you, got you. You really kind of screwed yourself over there, Brandon, just so you know. <laughs> uh, get in line. I, I do that every day. <laughs> Thanks for your time, and have, have a good off season. All right, guys. Nice talking to you. There is Brandon being some good stuff in there. I liked his comment on their uh, on Duke Williams and why he wasn't playing. I, I I think fans got really hot about that as an idea because of what he did in the CFL, what he was as a prospect out of Auburn, and I do think there was merit to the idea that he should have been active, and I think he proved he should have been active all season. But I think it went a little bit too far because we also saw the inconsistencies that would uh, would stop him or limit him from being a short-term starting wide receiver option for them this season. He did pretty well in that role, but I don't think going forward you want Duke Williams as one of your starting wide receivers. Right after, maybe? Like a fourth guy? Fine. But uh, that's about it for me. 803-0550 is the phone number. Tom Brady landing spots in New England replacements after the break here on WGR. At practice yesterday, sticking with football, ESPN's Mike Triplett reports that it would take a special situation to pry free agent-to-be quarterback Teddy Bridgewater away from the New Orleans Saints. 40-year-old quarterback Drew Brees is also without a contract going into the offseason. He may leave New England, but it doesn't appear as though Tom Brady will be retiring from football. Brady posted on Instagram today that he is not done yet and still has more to prove. 
and Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm is declared for the NFL draft before this past college football season. Fromm was thought to be a first-round prospect, but many now expect him to fall until at least day two of the NFL draft. To hockey, the Sabres have had a few days off since their last game. They'll play in St. Louis tomorrow night. Defenseman Lawrence Pilot could get his first game of the season. He was recalled yesterday from Rochester, and today Pilot skated on a pair with Rasmus Ristolainen. I think I've just been working on that consistency, you know, trying to play that high level all the time and just try to focus on my D-zone play all the time. And uh, I think that's been a big part of me so far, and uh, I think I can just keep going on that and uh, keep developing also that the offensive skill I have. That is Pilot. Also at practice today, Michael Froelich practiced for the first time as a Sabre since being traded for. He skated on a line with Marcus Johansson and Connor Sherry. Sabres coach Ralph Kruger joined Howard and Jeremy today on the morning show and talked plenty about Froelich. You can hear that interview on demand at WGR550.com and the radio.com app. Puck drop for Sabres and Blues tomorrow night is at 8 o'clock. We will have pregame starting at 7 here on WGR. Tickets including Pella VIP for the WGR Celebrity Roast of Eric Wood are on sale now at WGR550.com. Former Bills Richie Incognito and Brian Brom have been confirmed as roasters with more to come. The WGR Celebrity Roast of Eric Wood, Thursday, February 27th at Buffalo Riverworks. Tickets and details at WGR550.com. For WGR, I'm Joe DiBiase. Make sure you always get breaking sports news first. Download WGR on the Radio.com app and select Push Notifications. Breaking news on the home of the Bills and Sabres is brought to you by the Mercedes Sprinter from Mercedes-Benz Vans. Is this the nightcap? Yo, this is Patrick. Nightcap. No, this is Patrick. Nightcap. No, this is Patrick. Time now for the Nightcap on WGR Sports Radio 550. Welcome back to the Nightcap. Joe DiBiase here on WGR. I'm just looking up at the the bet board in here, and it, it's too empty. I don't like it. One thing about the NFL season, you get action. You got those weird things to root for, like Lee Smith not catching passes, or the Colts, because you have them over seven and a half. I need some futures bets. That's what I need. Who's been in the NBA right now? I'm. I, I like the Nuggets. Are they good? I think they're in second. You'll do that. Though the Lakers look good. Um, I haven't watched any NBA yet, so I don't really even know what I'm talking about. Um, Tampa. Wish the Sabres were in it. Uh, that would be that would be it. Like they are they're hovering. They're not dead, but they are not really in the thick of it either. Um, so Really what's happened in the last couple of weeks, and I think I spoke on this a little bit yesterday, the Tampa Bay Lightning have won eight in a row. Toronto's won eight of their last ten, I think maybe like 11 of their last 12, something crazy with them. Um, And they are pretty entrenched now in the second and third spots of the Atlantic Division. Florida is the closest to them at 49 points. Toronto is third at 53. So really what has happened is a month ago, the Sabres were in second in the Atlantic. And now, two and three in the Atlantic. Just don't even think about it. It is out of play. 
you are not making up eight points on Toronto or nine points on Tampa. Those teams are far too talented um, to catch, especially with the way they're playing right now. So you're down to the wild card. And the Sabres sitting at 45 points. I do believe Philadelphia's spot is up for grabs. I don't think Philly is that good. They've had a lot of injuries on their blue line. Uh, Shane Gossespierre, the most recent of which, he is supposed to miss their game. I think they play tonight. Um, but he's supposed to miss their next game. He's having uh, knee issues. So Philly spot's up for grabs. Columbus has been is actually tied for that same playoff spot. That's the second wildcard position. Columbus has been super hot. Florida is really good, I think. They're four points above the Sabres, and then you have the Sabres at 45 points, which is five back of a playoff spot right now. And is this going to be good enough um, for the rest of the season? I don't know. We'll talk more about the Sabres in a little bit. Um, But first, I do want to talk some Tom Brady. I want to talk some Tom Brady. Instagram post today, he says that essentially he's not done playing football. But there's nothing in this big, long Instagram post about him staying in New England. In fact, his comment about still having something to prove tells me that he's at least thinking about leaving. Because you're Tom Brady. What possibly could you have to prove still? You're a 42-year-old quarterback... If you started stinking right now, nobody would judge you for it. Right? Peyton Manning wins the Super Bowl his last year in Denver. That's really why we bring up the fact that he sucked that final year a lot. But if otherwise we would have just forgotten about it. Like We don't think about that season when we think of Peyton Manning. You don't really think of a guy in his final year on the way out in any relation to what his career was. Kobe Bryant, I think about in the NBA. Awful last couple of seasons. Does anybody think about that when you think about Kobe Bryant long term? No. Or what, looking back on his his game, nobody would think about Brady if he just wasn't good next year at all and then hung it up. What more could he have to prove? Six Super Bowls. Very hard to argue anybody other than him is the best quarterback in NFL history. What do you got to prove? The only thing you might have to prove is that you are not in any way a product of New England's system. You're not a product of Belichick and the Patriot way and their their offense and their design and their work ethic and their cheating. You're not a product of any of that. And how do you do that? Because Belichick doesn't sound at all like he's even close to going anywhere. If he were, I think Josh McDaniels would... Yeah, maybe he, McDaniels is sticking around. Maybe, maybe McDaniels thinks uh, Belichick might be on the way out at some point here. But doesn't sound like it's happening anytime soon. So if you want to get away from Belichick, if you want to separate yourself from the coach so that to some respect people can look back on your career and say it was Brady, not it was Brady and Belichick. If you want to have any li- a little bit of that, you've got to go somewhere else and you've got to win a Super Bowl. If Tom Brady were to do that in his 40s to pick up start over with a new team, and win a Super Bowl, that would go a long way to his legacy. And that might sound crazy because of how built up his legacy already is. But if Brady's thinking about the perfect career, 
best quarterback of all time, six Super Bowls, the perfect career. He's one last little step away, and that would be separating yourself from Belichick when thinking about your career. You'll get a lot more credit for your career if you go to Chicago and win a Super Bowl, if you go to Indy and win a Super Bowl. And I believe he's willing to do that. Now, whether he'll go through with it, to me it's a 50-50 proposition. It's a complete guess, obviously, on my part, but to me it feels like it's 50-50. Because one of two things is currently happening. One, he is legitimately and seriously thinking about leaving and does want out. That's one possibility, and it doesn't have to be either or here. It could be a percentage of each. But the other side of it could be he is just lobbying for a big monster contract from the Patriots before he exits. And that could be too. He has played on a team-friendly contract for a long time. And if you've seen Tom Brady shift at all in his personality and his activity off the field in the last couple of seasons, there's been a change. There's been a tone change from Tom Brady. It used to be... You know, put your head down, be a warrior, be like one of the guys, one of the other guys, like your teammates. Just be a football player. One, one eleventh, right? We hear the Bills talk about that all the time. One eleventh. That was Tom Brady. The last couple of years, I think he's really picked up on the fact that he's not one eleventh. He is much more than that. And he started to act like it. He's starting to do his own media work, and now he's got this doctor that's not a doctor, and Alex Guerrero, and he's he's doing his own treatment outside of the Patriots facility, and you know, I mentioned like the media stuff that he's doing uh, off the field, like Tom versus Time. He's doing these documentaries on himself. That's not something Tom Brady does ten years ago. He's jumping off mountaintops and posting it on Instagram, and he's uh he's put putting out these like pop up videos on Twitter. And he's, he's doing selfies, and he's uh, putting out Snapchat videos, taunting opponents. That is not what Tom Brady has been for the majority of his career. And I, to me, that change of tone from him makes it all the more believable that he would think about himself in this moment. And in this moment, if he were to think about himself, leaving makes sense. The Indianapolis landing spot is so interesting to me because to me there is not a team he could go to that makes more sense than the Indianapolis Colts they have everything he needs everything they have the best offensive line in football they have a very good defense they have a great wide receiver in T.Y. Hilton Hilton's much better than anything New England has for him right now They have a good tight end in Jack Doyle. They have a good running back in Marlon Mack. They could probably use another receiver. So that might be one small hole they have. They have a quarterback guru of a head coach in Frank Reich. They play indoors. What could be more appealing than that as a 42-year-old quarterback who's trying to extend his career? You're playing indoors. And instead of an away game in Buffalo every year or an away game in New York... Instead, you're going to Jacksonville late in the season, and you're going to Houston, who also plays indoors, or you're going to Tennessee, 
So there's weather reasons for him. The team makes sense in terms of the roster. The location makes sense because they play indoors. And their situation makes sense also. The Colts GM Chris Ballard last week when asked about Jacoby Brissett was had he had anything but a ringing endorsement for Jacoby Brissett. He said he's our quarterback for now. And that was really about it. He didn't give a very he didn't give a ringing endorsement. And it sounded like if a better option walks through the door or that they can if they can get their hands on a better option, they will do it. The Colts. And Brissett, by the way, also has only one year left in his contract, and it's not a big cap head. It's like $15 million, and they can get out of it um, with not a ton of dead cap. So they can move on from Brissett if they want. They can make him the backup if they want. They could trade him to New England if they want. The situation makes sense. The job is available. So it's perfect, right? Indoors, the team around him is good. Would give him a great chance to win a Super Bowl. The job's available. But wouldn't it feel weird for him to go there with all the history? If I'm a Colts fan, and I've had this, and they were they were in my face for 15 years, the Patriots were. I could not get over that hump. And really, if the Patriots didn't do what they did, Colts fans might be thinking to themselves, we might have two or three more Super Bowls. Is, is that that crazy to think? We were a dynasty. But we couldn't be a dynasty because there was a better one. So there's got to be, of course, this should go without saying, a ton of resentment from Indianapolis towards Tom Brady. The same way there is here. Like, it would probably feel really weird if Tom Brady wanted to come to Buffalo. I'm not saying he will. I'm not saying we'd want him. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But just think about it for how you would feel. Let's say Josh Allen doesn't exist. Let's say the Bills didn't pick a quarterback. They, for some reason, decided to keep going with Tyrod Taylor. And now we sit here and they need a short-term option at quarterback. You'd want Tom Brady, right? Even though he's not the same he was. I think it's being overstated how how shot he is. I, I don't think he's the same quarterback that he was. But the guy threw for 4,000 yards with a depleted offense, a bad offensive line, and not good weapons. He deserves some credit for what he is, even at this present moment. And wouldn't it feel weird if he if he suited up in your uniform? If he decided, alright, I'm coming here? It'd feel weird, wouldn't it? It'd make it a lot harder to hate him. And 20 years worth of him just putting his foot down on you and pushing you down to the bottom of the division and give, handing you two losses a year, wouldn't it be a little harder to look back on that and think, oh, I hate this guy? Because if he comes to your team and he wins, how are you going to feel about him? How will Colts fans feel about Tom Brady if he goes to Indianapolis and wins a Super Bowl? What does history look like? You want to hate him, right? Because he stole years of successful seasons away from you when you had Peyton Manning. But on the other hand, he did win that one time for me. It'd be a very strange fit, and I wonder if something like that, if fan feeling and attitude towards a certain player could be that strong. If it really could 
nix an idea that makes more sense for both parties than any of their alternatives. Indianapolis maybe shouldn't have just gone right ahead and said that with them. They could probably do better than Tom Brady as their quarterback next season. They might they might be able to. They could maybe go get their hands on Cam Newton. They could maybe draft a guy who would be pretty good. Maybe they can trade up and get Justin Herbert. But it wouldn't be easy to do better than Tom Brady for next season for them. And for Brady, like I said, I think it's a perfect setup. And it'd be good for us because we don't have to play him next year. So I'm, I'm in for that. I wonder if that would happen. That is the landing spot that makes sense. But I question whether it will happen based purely on the fact that the Colts and their fans would have resentment towards him. And I wonder if they could get over it. Because otherwise, there are some other teams that make some sense. Like Carolina makes some sense for Brady, I think. Um, Although I would guess they will try to move up and draft Tua. That's what it sounds like they want to do. Um, Well, I mean, just reading some stories on them. I guess nobody really knows at this point. But that makes sense, that idea. That Carolina would jump ahead uh, three spots up to jump over Miami and try to get Tua. Then you've got Chicago, who's going to go into another year with Trubisky, but he doesn't have a big cap hit. And if they want to win next year, Brady could fit there. The Chargers make a lot of sense for Brady. It makes more sense to me for the Chargers than it does for Brady himself. They need to. They need fans, man. Did you read that story? If you didn't, ESPN.com did a story on the Chargers and their fan base and their uh, ability to sell tickets a couple of weeks ago. They, they're having a real tough time. Let's just say it that way. They, they were under 30% of the sales that they were expecting. Like They cannot get fans in that market. And Tom Brady could definitely help with that. Right? You're trying to sell jerseys. You're trying to sell tickets. What better way to get people to come to your stadium than, hey, we're dressing the best quarterback ever today. And what better way to sell uh, jerseys than, hey, you want a number 12 Chargers Brady jersey? And they have some infrastructure there. They have some They have some nice pieces on defense. They have some really nice pieces on offense. Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, Austin Eckler, they got to sign those two. Uh, Mike Williams. So that spot makes sense weather-wise too for Brady. But the Indy point for me, I, I'm so interested to see if he would go to Indianapolis and if there'll be any smoke um, about that as an idea. Now, before we get into some hockey in the back half of the show, complete this subject. What would that do to New England? Where would they lie? Because that's really what matters to the Bills, is who New England's quarterback is. Of course, if Brady's in Indianapolis, for instance, you'll have to think about him in terms of like a wild card spot, maybe. But if Brady leaves, I don't think we're thinking about the wild card. I think for the first time in a really long time, we're having a, a legitimate conversation about winning the division. And that would, of course, depend on who New England's quarterback is. If Brady were to leave, that could get really interesting. The first name I keep thinking about for that is Andy Dalton. Because he would be easy for them to acquire. He's going to be available. He's pretty good. And they're still trying to win. So that makes sense. And he's still he's still relatively young for a quarterback. What is Dalton? Like 31 years old? 32 years old? Otherwise, the free agent market, like Drew Brees is not leaving New Orleans. Eli would be hilarious, but he stinks. Phillip Rivers is shot. Bridgewater's probably staying in New Orleans. Winston's probably staying in Tampa. I mean, you could try Mariota, but I think Dalton is easily better than Mariota at this point. 
Mariota's arm is shot. You have nerve damage in your elbow. Didn't it, for all you Bills fans that went down to Nashville and watched the game on TV, it looked like Marcus Mariota had nerve damage in his elbow. I think he's shot. Um, Tannehill's not going to become available. He's going to stay in Tennessee. New England's not going to have a lot of opportunity to sign a guy in free agency. They're at the back half of the first round, so they're way too far back to get their hands on on Tua or to get their hands on Justin Herbert from from uh, not Oklahoma from Oregon. So they could draft like a Jake Fromm, like a a secondary, like a second tier type of rookie. I'd like that as an idea as a Bills fan. I'd love them to invest in a, an idea that'll tie them up for three years and not be that good. That'd be great. Or they trade for a guy, and I mean that could be Cam Newton. That could be whoever Brady replaces. So it could be Brissett. But any of these guys that I think we're talking about, maybe other than a healthy Cam Newton. And I think the Bills, for the first time in two decades, would go into a season as, if not the favorite to win the division, pretty darn close. Who's favored to win the division? The Patriots with Dalton or the Bills? That'd be a toss-up for me. I think it'd be really close. That New England defense is legit. Just as the Bills defense is. So... It would depend on what else happens in the offseason. If the Bills went out and got a stud receiver, that, of course, would change things. Um, but, yeah, I'd be thinking a lot about it. We'd be That's all we'd be talking about would be the division. So here's to hoping Tom Brady leaves New England because he's not going to retire, but um, hopefully he goes somewhere else. Hopefully the NFC, by the way. Go to Chicago. That's my vote. Go to Chicago. The indie idea. So interesting, though. So interesting to me. 803-0550 is the phone number. If you've got any last thoughts football-wise, uh, Josh Allen, we had the discussion on him. By the way, if you're wondering, an update on my Twitter poll from earlier, which I thought was, you know, fairly interesting. Um, if you had to pay Josh Allen a big contract right now, would you? Almost 5,000 votes in about an hour and a half here, and 562 Twitter started going to the decimals for uh, for polls. That's cool. Uh, 56.2% say no, they would not pay Josh Allen a big contract if they had to right now, while 43.8% say that they would. So pretty uh, pretty close one there. 803 is the phone number. We will switch to the Sabres and some hockey when we come back here on the Nightcap on WGR. Welcome back to the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase here on WGR. As we switch into uh, we switch gears a little bit to hockey, we did talk a little hockey in the uh, first segment here of the hour. Ralph Kruger, Sabres head coach, he's got some lineup changes. Michael Froelich was with the team today um, for the first time at practice. Skated on the line with Marcus Johansson and Connor Sherry, uh, Lawrence Pilot. Finally, finally. Might crack the lineup. Man, I hope so. This guy, to me, has been one of the best four defensemen um, in the Sabres organization for maybe a year now. And he's played like 25 games in two seasons. So get this guy going. Get him on your second pair and watch him flourish. The The only partner, really, that Rasmus Ristolainen has ever played with and had good advanced numbers and has not gotten the Sabres killed in their own end, is with Lawrence Pilot. And I don't think that's a coincidence. 
He's so good at what he does that he makes Ristolainen not terrible in his own end. So get him in. We'll see. For more on Pilot and for Leak, of course, here is the Sabres head coach. Here's Ralph Krueger with Howard and Jeremy this morning. Ralph, it's Howard and Jeremy. Good morning and a belated Happy New Year. Good morning and Happy New Year to you both and to your listeners. There's some uh, bookkeeping that we want to take care of right off the bat. Uh, Jake McCabe with an upper body injury, but it, it, it sounded, right, from what you said, pretty optimistic. It's a very short-term issue, and he could be back this weekend. Is that right? Yeah, Jake, Jake is day-to-day. We expect him back in practice when we return from St. Louis. You call up Lawrence Pilot. Will he play tomorrow night? Lawrence Pilot's an interesting player for us, and uh, we haven't made that call yet. We're uh, we're happy to have him back here in uh, in our midst. He, you know, coming off an injury from last season, he wasn't able to be a part of our training camp. But it was excellent that he spent the time with us in Sweden, so we got to know him well there. Even though uh, you know he didn't didn't uh, get to play, he he was really uh, you know a good kid to have around, and for us to to feel his strength and his future. <clears throat> and now we have him here again off the injury to McCabe. Uh, just, just a look-see, but we'll make that call tomorrow. Just a, Ralph, just a look for injury purposes, or is it about time organizationally that you guys are, are starting to think maybe he should be up here for a little longer? I mean, an AHL all-star leading the AHL in points among defensemen. You know, I think a lot of people are wondering – maybe Lawrence included, when his time is? Is it is it still a numbers game, or is this a time where maybe he will be up here for an extended period? You know, at this time of year, we just go day-to-day. He's here now, and he's a part of the group and has every opportunity to uh, push himself into the lineup. And, again, it'll, uh, you know, it'll, it'll depend on how, how uh, quickly Jake gets back to speed and that we remain healthy in our decor. So, uh, you know, for now, it's getting to know him even better. Uh, I can only say that he's in a, he has an exciting future for sure. We like the way he moves and the way he thinks the game. And, uh, you know, he, he's definitely in the mix. And another player that increases the competition here, which we like, the internal competition is definitely healthy for, for all the defensemen. What uh, The reports that you might have been getting from Rochester about Lawrence Pilot or whether, whether you're more comfortable talking about what you saw from him in Sweden, what, what can you tell us more about your thoughts on Pilot? Well, how it goes is that we are permanently in contact through on multiple levels with Rochester, and uh, uh, the reports on him are outstanding that he's uh, really taken a, another level since returning from the injury and that he's getting really comfortable in his game and uh, he's fully back up to speed. So that's, that's clear that we have permanent contact there on a daily basis on any potential candidates and Yes, Sweden left its mark, of course. He's, he's an outstanding character and just brings a good spirit into the day-to-day. But, uh, of course, above all, he's a, he's, a, he's a good hockey player. So we look forward to that next level of Lawrence Pilot. With Michael Froelich, uh, what's the latest on his paperwork? Will, will he be at uh, practice today? Yeah, so Michael's coming in today and uh, got in actually last night. So we're pleased that that all uh, was taken care of, and we can start working with him. What do you envision as his role on your team? Well, there's there's the off-ice component that we're always uh, interested in, and that's the, the person that he is, the experience that he brings with for 
you know, the, the, the phase of evolution that we're in right now. He's going to be a good voice in and around the room. But, you know, he, he is a very experienced two-way player. He's uh, been known for his penalty killing. Uh, he's, you know, experienced a Stanley Cup, which, which means you're not only a penalty killer, you're also able to make a play, which he's very clearly able to do. He can play you know, up and down the lineup, depending on the need of the group. But, uh, you know, we, we're just going to take it a day at a time and uh, let him, like all the other players, show us what he's capable of, and then his role will grow and develop under that. But above all, I mean, you're going to see um, a stabilizing factor in the way he plays, but at the same time, he, he can add to the offense. So it'll be, you know, we're excited to have him in here. He's a, he's a good athlete and um, definitely give us some – some some help and some depth in our roster. In terms of what he specifically could add to the offense, Ralph, what is his game about? Is it is it a guy who brings in you know some forecheck? Is it finish? Is it what what are some of the aspects you think that Saber fans will see from Frolik? Well, you never know exactly how a player is going to play within a within the structure of a group. So some people it suits their their abilities, and some. Uh, will, will you know don't don't find their game and uh, that that's the reality of, of playing in different structures. We're really confident that he'll fit into ours. That he that he will uh, you know he'll be somebody that can support um, a top line in so far as defending properly, but also you know just making those those plays keep the keep the puck moving and keep the speed of the of the puck alive as we want to do here in our game. We want to be a quick team defensively, but we want to explode and be be powerful as a group of five offensively. And uh, Michael Michael's the kind of guy that can really augment a group and, and help to facilitate that kind of connection between the players in, in both directions. And we need this type of leadership right now. It's a great addition into our roster. We're with Ralph Kruger on our uh, Wester Hotline. Sabres back in action tomorrow night in St. Louis. You lose Jeff Skinner, so you got to try and figure out how to make up for that. Then you lose Victor Olofsson. So in terms of trying to make up for the loss of offense there, who do you turn to or how do you go about making up for two guys like that being out of the lineup for a few weeks? Well, what's important with injuries, the way it works in our coaches' room is they are they – are their names are put aside and it's not that we don't care about them. They're handed over to the medical department and we have an amazing staff here in rehab and uh, our medical care is strong. So these players are well taken care of and we concentrate on the players that are on the, on what we have on our board here, the left side of the roster, the ones that are healthy, the ones that are able to go. And we, we, we will always uh, get up in the morning here and put the best possible roster together and, you know, there's there's a clearly a different mix now. It it alters the way we we execute on the power play. It alters the way the lines will work together. But uh, you know, it's it's part of the long season of the National Hockey League. Every team has to deal with that. And you know, we it, it, you you need to score a little more by committee. We need more depth scoring with Olafson and Skinner out. Uh, those are some big numbers that disappear. But the others need to step up, and we challenge them to do that. And you know, they, they did a good job here, especially the last couple of games, and we got to continue to build on that. With the number one power play, Ralph, what's the thought process, or what do you take into account when you try and figure out with Olofsson out, do I want to put another forward out there? Would I rather just have two defensemen? If you go two defensemen, do I put Ristolainen in front? What's the? How do you try and figure out what is the best thing, best course of action? 
Well, we always have both of those options available to us, depending on when this power play falls during the game and uh, how the opposition are killing. You know, the 2D option with wrist aligning in front of the net is uh, very attractive at the moment, but we can also go with four forwards who who attack with Darlene up top. But it's, uh, you know, it's, it's part of also mixing it up sometimes so the opposition isn't as well prepared at neutralizing your your weapons and uh you know with victor out we've lost a strong one in there but but johansson has got a strong shot off the backside connor sheary shown some some strong power play traits of late and uh you know we're gonna we're gonna be mixing and matching to keep trying to find the combination that works you know but uh even within games we will make adjustments if we you know, if we feel they'll help us. But it's usually a group of six or seven guys that'll be, you know, working on a, on, on your main power play. We're wrapping up with uh, Ralph Kruger here. So, listen, you, you, your team had a little break, you know, uh, before your game against St. Louis tomorrow night. And we were just in the last hour talking with Paul Hamilton about what do you – it's almost like maybe a little bit like coming off a bye. What do you expect? Is it – do you look at it and go, okay, the guys are going to be fresh, they got, they got a nice break, or is there a rust factor sometimes when you're off that long? Yeah, I, I don't see a rust factor, but you, you're making a good point because we, we had such an intense period after Sweden with the 21 games and uh, in 39 days. And after the Christmas break, I thought we came out and played well against Boston, Boston, and Tampa, but we just didn't get the point. So everybody was disappointed with that. And I'm pleased with the way the group stepped up here against Edmonton and Florida to get the wins. And I, I believe that momentum is going to go with us to St. Louis. We have a, we have a, I, I would, I would, probably lean more to the freshness that you're speaking about i I don't see any rust i think we needed these few days uh and and important will be the start we need to get a good start tomorrow get right back uh in where we left off against florida into the habits that make us strong and uh and i'm optimistic we'll have a lot of energy for the game in st louis tomorrow playing the stanley cup champion at home is always uh you know the uh, a real fun challenge and you know, so far this group has looked those kind of challenges in the eyes. So it's probably the perfect opponent to have coming at you off of a break. Uh, there's, you know, there's no, there's no time to uh, just slide into this one. We need to be good right off the hop. Last thing I want to ask you about is, is the Eichel line, you know, with Olofsson out, what kind of player, you tried Asplund the other day, so it's kind of a two-part question. What kind of player do you think is the right fit with Eichel and Reinhardt? And then what did you think of, of Asplund when you had him out there the other game? Well, he, you know, that, that's that. There, there's always a lot of pressure on a young player going into a slot like that. But we thought he did a really good job. Uh, you know, there's uh, there's always a need to be able to play together with with Sam and Jack without the puck, and and uh, you know, we're excited about the way Osborne is coming along defensively and offensively. He's, uh, you know, he's able to add and augment uh, anybody he plays with. So we were pleased with his first game there. And, uh, you know, we're actually just after this call going to cement the lines that we're going to go into practice with today. And, uh, you know, Aspie's got a, a, a you know, he, he, he is somebody that we are really pleased with and just trying to move him along slowly that he doesn't feel too much pressure in that role, but he looked to handle it quite well. And, um, you know, I think he's got a good shot at it for tomorrow. All right, we'll let you go get to work and set the lines. Thanks, as always, for your time with us. And uh, good luck tomorrow night against the Blues. Yeah, thanks to everybody, and uh, let's let's make 2020 a good year. Appreciate your time, Ralph. Have a good day. Thanks. Okay, enjoy. Bye-bye. Yeah, thank thanks. you.
There he is, Sabres head coach Ralph Kruger with Howard and Jeremy this morning. A little reaction to what he had to say there, especially uh, they asked him about Aspelin playing on the top line at the uh, at the end of that interview, and I got a thought on that. So we'll come back, uh, wrap up the nightcap here on WGR with some Sabres talk. Last call on the nightcap, Joe DiBiase here on WGR. Zit. Sabres and Blues tomorrow at 8 o'clock. Sure, most of you'd rather hear the game than myself anyway. And then Friday, Niagara is at Quinnipiac, so uh, you'll next hear from me, uh, at least in uh, my own show, my own format, on Monday. Um, quick word, though, on uh, some of what Ralph Kruger had to say there, especially at the end. I thought it was interesting what he said about Rasmus Asplund and his capabilities of playing on the top line on the wing. And I've been impressed with Asplund. I'm still waiting to see that offensive upside that would really, I think, take him to another level in terms of a prospect and a draft pick for the Sabres because if he just becomes, you know, Johan Larson 2.0, then I think we'll all be going, yeah, nice, that's fine. We could use another two-way center uh, in the organization because they are so thin at center in general in the organization. But you have to remember, they traded Mark Pesek for that pick, essentially. They got Kulikov too, I know, whatever. But essentially, they traded Pesek to be able to get, um, and I know it was Tim Murray, but to get Rasmus Asplund. And the way he's come about in his development, it seems as though he's been a pretty nice prospect on the way up. And um, I'm interested to see that if playing with Jack Eichel and Reinhardt can get him going offensively because there's really nothing else the Sabres could do in the entire organization to get him going. Offensively, that is. Speaking of offensive uh, centers, by the way, Middlestat scored his third goal for the Amherst, um in their game tonight. So uh, hopefully uh, we'll see him uh, get things together and get back here soon. All right, thanks everybody for listening to today's show. As I said, s- tomorrow night will be Sabres and Blues. So I'll talk to you on, uh, on Monday. This has been the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase here on WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.